Rewind and Digress is a fakeshem.net podcast proudly presented by Viewlorium. Alternative movies, alternative streaming, totally free at viewlorium.com. Welcome to Rewind and Digress, where we hit pause on the now and track back to one of our favourite films. Well, a film we've seen. Give it a rewatch, see how it sits, and sometimes realise all that glitters is not necessarily gold. Greatest superhero has been taken hostage. I'm going to kill you. Right, that's the part that really doesn't work for me. Now it's their chance. We gotta find a lot of superheroes really quickly to save the day. Am I too late to try out? Sorry. I'm invisible. Can you see me? Yes. Wow. Maybe you should put some shorts on or something if you want to keep fighting evil today. I'm Jarrett and I'm with Glenn and we're fakeshemp.net. On this episode, we're rewinding back to 1999 to discuss the largely forgotten zero-turned superhero feature, Mystery Men. On this, the most momentous of occasions, its 20th anniversary. Can you believe this film's 20 years old, Glenn? I had no idea. Well, I can't because, yeah. I mean, I can because I was there when I saw it at the cinema, but totally. Jesus Christ, you make me feel old, man. I know, I feel really old. Really, mm. really old. Yeah, I remember that uh, the anticipation to see this film was quite high. They'd started trailering it months out. Like, I mean, they always do months out from release, but the problem with this film was that it opened in the summer of 1999 in the US, and we didn't get it till January 2000, so it was like even a longer wait. So I think... We'd been watching probably teasers and trailers of these things for 12 months, and that's not even talking about the bloody Smash Mouth All-Star music video, which I will touch on later, which at that point had <laughs> topped the charts. So you were constantly seeing Mystery Men. It was being thrown at you, but we had no way to actually see the film until a good five, six months after the US had. So yeah. Wow, and of course, this came way before the whole Marvel explosion. Totally. So like, it played out so incredibly at the time. I know, like you said, it didn't really get much traction at the mm, time, but mm. it did gain a cult following. Yeah, you know, did it though? It did, yeah. Home entertainment. I think yeah. you know you can you can say mystery men to a lot of people, and they'll know what you mean. Yeah, you're right. You're right there. And I mean, like, if it hadn't developed a cult, then it probably would never have been reissued down the track so many times on DVD. You know, with a refresh of packaging, or even on Blu-ray, because Cinema Cult would well, have now. Having Blu-ray. said that, maybe it's the 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 boom of the Marvel DC phase that has given true. it that second life. Very true. But true. I remember at the time thinking I've never seen anything like this. You know, I went yeah. to the cinemas and saw it. I'm sure you did too. Likewise, yeah. Yeah, and it just it was a massive explosion of colours. Uh, I knew most of the players at the time. You know, I was yeah. fans of everyone yeah. in it. And I, I think it just sort of came as a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, yeah. I but feel you. The interesting thing about this particular episode is that I did not have a chance to catch up with this film right. prior to recording. Uh, but I reckon I've seen it enough times to sort of hold the conversation. <laughs> we can only hope. That's that's fair. Look, in all honesty, I have only seen this film twice. I saw it once in the theatres back in January of 2000. Then a week or so ago when I rewatched it for this podcast, I did actually, I had bought the Blu-ray maybe whenever it was released, about two years back. Um, because I like all the players in the film and there's something about the film that I like and I was drawn to watching it again. I'd seen bits of it on TV over the years because like, it obviously has played on TV many times, yep. but I actually hadn't sat down and watched the film again. 
And in the back of my mind, I remember thinking, you're probably very hard on this film, Jarrett. You've got to give this film a second chance. And we're all about giving films second, even third you chances. You mean you didn't love it? No, look, I didn't love it, but I think my expectations were so high the first time I watched it because of the players. I had a big crush on Janine Garofalo. Oh, yeah. I really liked Ben Stiller back then because that was the early Ben Stiller before he'd sort of transitioned into the Meet the Parents, Night at the Museum. Yeah. Ben Stiller, That in this day and age, I really appreciate, but I had a very dark period on him from probably the mid-2000s until about 2010 when he was doing a lot of rom-coms, doing those films. I wasn't digging it because I knew the guy had a lot more talent. He'd been directing really strong films like Cable Guy and uh, Reality Bites and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. And he'd played some really great roles in films from everything like Flirting with Disaster to Duplex Mm -hmm. and then suddenly just went through this heartbreak kid phase where he did these and along came um, Polly along yeah, came Polly he hit the mainstream you know. too hard totally yeah, yeah. And, and really and it was suddenly he was Ben Stiller it's yeah. a Ben Stiller film and he I was went like, from that you know, indie guy that was making cool totally. movies yeah, I and guess. you know playing darker characters yeah. you know everything from his cameos like in Happy Gilmore and stuff where he had Edge <laughs> or the Menendez brothers or whatever they were called in the cable guy where yep. he you know, cameoed um so yeah, I was I love the players in the film. So I think when I went in the first time, my expectations were super high. And you know, having been a comic book fan as a kid, and this being this weird sort of period when this film came out, it was yeah. an interesting period because, like you said, it was pre DC and Marvel Studios films. We'd had superhero films before that sort of never really birthed franchises, let alone a yeah. universe. Well, as this such. movie relied on those. Like, it, yeah. it, it needed those to say, "Hey, we're a bit of a, a parody." Totally, that, totally, for know. the audience to, or, you know, the larger audience to understand all those tropes and everything they yeah. were playing on. Um, and it was a weird period because, like, that period in the 90s, there was superhero films, but they were all those sort of more obscure, indie or grittier kind of characters like Spawn and yep. Tank Girl and Blade, not your Spider-Man, your Superman, your Thor or anything like that. So it was, yeah, it was a really interesting sort of period yeah. and nothing apart from Blade, obviously, which did take. None of those others. They sort of came and went fast, and they may have a cult following, not, like Tank Girl. But not to mention the fact you know. that they're an ensemble group of superheroes. Like, yeah, it's not true. Like one superhero. True. They're doing the whole Justice League slash exactly. you know, um, you know, Avengers thing. And totally, without having those films that had come prior. Correct, correct. which is pretty cool. Um, for cool. me, I think my main attraction for this at the time was two things. Oh, actually, three. I think William H. Macy. Yeah, of course, um, yeah. This came post-Fargo, yeah? Yes, it did. Fargo yeah. was like 94 or 90... No, 98, wasn't it? No, nah, it was early. It was, was either it? 94 yeah. or 96. Yeah. Well, anyway... I know. No, I was, <laughs> it was one or the other. It's I not was, 95. No, I should but know. I should it'll know. probably turn out it's 95 and I'll be <laughs> slapping my head when this goes to... Well, I was, a, I was a fan of his from that. Yeah. Um, then there was Kel um, from, you know... Keenan Kel or no? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Keenan Kel, the Good Burger guys. Yes. Keenan and Kel. Was it Keenan and Kel? That's it. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Shit. No, no, no. Because I was I, like, or am I thinking of Kel and Peel? Yeah, yeah. I got confused with yeah. them. I. I told you I had no notes for this one. No, no, that's but no, fair but enough. He, but he that's was, pretty obscure reference because yeah, I don't think I many listeners within Australia are going to go, oh, the Good Burger guys or the Correct. guys at that Nickelodeon Correct. series. But I was a big fan of Good Burger. And right. He really never really got any traction after that no. film. The other guy went on to become an SNL player and all that kind of stuff. Oh, right. Okay, you know, I didn't know that. He's the fat black guy on SNL. Right. Did, oh, my God, really? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realise that. Yeah. Wow, okay. And then Paul Rubens, of course. Oh, of course, you know, Wee Herman himself. Massive, massive fan. This bit of a comeback movie This was a comeback too. movie, yeah. as was Below, which came after it. Right, These yeah. Movies he did have he Dunstan checks in prior to that, but that really didn't do too much for his career. <laughs> Dunstan checks in, was that around, was that after the controversy? Yeah, it was yeah, post-controversy. It was. I think yeah. it was like... 
96. See, that, that's six, not so much a comeback film. That's just as I'll take whatever I can get. Yeah, exactly. No, it's a roll. I'll, I'll, I'll do yeah, it. Working. I'll do it. Um, but yeah, anyway, so him as the spleen, I think, you know, a little bit of a, a movie stealer, the character, I think yeah. he's, you know, absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, long way of saying something that should have taken me 10 seconds. That's why I like that it. That was the appeal. Yeah. That was the draw for you. Look, yeah. I, anyone that hasn't seen this film, feel free to continue listening to the podcast because, look, there's, it, it is what it is. There's no major spoilers no. here. But I will give you a brief synopsis. This is the Universal Pictures synopsis. It's, when Captain Amazing, Champion City's legendary superhero, falls into the hands of the evil madman Casanova Frankenstein and his disco-dancing den- henchman, Jesus, that's a tongue twister, there's suddenly a chance for the aspiring superheroes to show what they can do. They're the Mystery Men, a ragtag team of superhero wannabes featuring Mr. Furious, whose power comes from his boundless rage, the Shoveler, a father who shovels <laughs> better than anyone, the Blue Raja, a fork-flinging mama's boy, the Bowler, who fights crime with the help of her father's skull, the Spleen, whose power is pure flatulence, Invisible Boy, who's only invisible when no one's watching, and the Sphinx, a cliche-spewing philosopher. That's a pretty detailed synopsis, and it actually introduces all the characters as well. Oh, and it makes me laugh just hearing you read that, because it yeah. all comes flooding back. Yeah, what, what memories, what memories. What characters? What characters? Like, seriously, this is iconic. Well, it's true. Like, you know, we mentioned, obviously, this film come pre, you know, DVC or Marvel Studios, and there'd only been other sort of comic book films of the time. Mm. But in terms of, like, superhero comedy, you know, it was far and few between in the 90s. You had the Damon Wayne's film Blank Man, which was very funny. Don't call me Susan. All right, Susan. (laughs) Hang on, I thought we never had any black superheroes. Oh, yeah, of course. Blank Man preceded... um, But if they'd called it Black Man, everyone would have remembered it. (laughs) That's true. But Blank Man, um, there was Orgasmo, which was kind of loosely, you know, sort of um, comedy, superhero parody sort of stuff. Um, But, yeah, this was, like, really, in my mind, probably the first of its kind, you know, like a real... And it's it's weird because it kind of predates... Obviously predates, like we mentioned, the Marvel and DC. So it's almost... Unless you were a comic book nerd, how are you really, you know, how are you ever going to kind of understand or appreciate the film outside of, you know? Yeah, you know, the because those humor. aforementioned ones, the Blank Man and whatnot, don't have the comic book textures that this no, one has. This no. has the that Tim Burton-esque sort of, you know, Very much city so. streets that are damp and fluoro and neon and all this kind of stuff. And then the characters themselves are very dark actually like when they get together as a team it's quite dark and then you bring in players like which i know you'll get to tom waits and of course yeah like secondary sort of characters they they bring in this added integrity to to it what the other films that you you mentioned don't have no 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 too true uh now mystery men it has its roots in a it's it's sort of unusual where its roots come from it's from a comic book that was called flaming carrot comics which was written and uh illustrated by bob burden and this was a carrot Main character was a carrot head or carrot top in the movie. No, in the in the in flaming the books, comic. I, yeah. Look, I I don't know. This is pure research. I've never actually read these because it's a weird how this this comic book even had its genesis. Yeah, it was like an annual sort of strip or part of the program guide for the Atlanta. I think like fantasy kind of Comic Con thing that was mm-hmm. there. You know, convention, and that's how it existed for near on I think like a decade. It started right. in 79 and it was just featured in that annual program every year. Yep. Eventually, Dark Horse Comics sort of took over in 88 and I think they ran it for about six, seven years as its own sort of um, trade comic. Um, and then, and then yeah, and then I think they even did a crossover between the Flaming Carrot uh, comics characters and Teenage Mutant Turtles in the mid-90s. Wow. It's sort of odd how it's got this kind of, you know, it was, I guess, like 2000 AD. It was 
this portion of it was only part of yep. a wider sort of compendium of comic sort of material. Um, yeah, so it's sort of strange to think how this thing had its genesis. And then after all of that, you know, it's kind of obscure. It's very indie that someone's gone, well, hell, this would make a great film. Yeah. You know, right now. it's I, I don't even know how this film... I don't know how it really happened because the source material is kind of niche to begin with. Yep. There wasn't a major call for superhero films at the time, so that's happened. So there's a lot of weird sort of... Mate, it just sort of happened. It's so hard to comprehend a world without the DC and Marvel thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's that, that those two properties alone have changed the cinematic yeah, landscape so much that it's really hard. You know, Mystery Men would be lucky to get a week at a cinema these days. Like, yeah. If it was yeah. Made, well, it pretty much did. It got one week oh, <laughs> when it came out. <laughs> well, it'll go straight yeah. to Netflix or something. Yeah, true. You know? True. Just, it definitely yeah. wouldn't attract the caliber of talent either, I think, in this day so and age as well. So hard to comprehend this yeah. film in today's light. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that's the other thing. We've just talked about how does this film really exist, you know. Yeah. Um, the director of this movie... It's director Kinka Asha, right? He's not done anything else. He only directed one movie. Yeah. It's this movie. That's I all bet, he's ever I directed. I fucked him over. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd have to say so. Like, it, it obviously had burnt him. Burnt him bad. He, he came from a background of commercials, like really successful award-winning commercial director. Wasn't there a story Hank Azaria was saying in an interview once that the director actually halfway through the film said... I'm going back to commercials. Like he threw in the towel halfway through. Geez, that wouldn't surprise me. Probably the politics of the studio of system course, or something like that. But I reckon if you were to scroll through some trivia, you might find that. Oh, dude, I scrolled through so much trivia. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of trivia out there that is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one that's misquoted Tom Waits saying that Tim Burton directed the film. Um, what? Kinka Usher was just a pseudonym and yeah, right. he didn't want his name. And it's not true. Kinka Usher is definitely a person. He's he's on the special features. On the US Blu-ray, <laughs> he even does the commentary but track. But did you know? something to that effect you come know? from Tom Waits at all? No, it no. was it was he. The quote was directly in relation to Kinka Usher with Usher's name referenced, and someone just switched it out with Burton and, wow. and then added this part to it because, like, yeah, it's great because it's. You can kind of go in this rabbit hole of mystery men trivia and discover once you get to the point, it's all bullshit. Like we mentioned before, obviously there's this, this Burton-esque kind of quality to the film and I kind of described it as um, it's like Tim Burton through the Joel Schumacher lens. Yeah, totally. You know, it's, it's it feels Batman like Batman Forever. Batman Forever. Or even a bit of Batman, Batman Return, Batman and sorry, Robin at times too. So it's, you know, that, that yeah. kind of colourful sort of thing. It's that, you know... You, yeah, got the, you got that board, you got the Burton aspect. You got that, you know, um, cookie cutter suburbia of Edward Scissorhands. And you got, got the merchandising the, line that you know, comes from Schumacher's side. Totally, it. absolutely. Yeah. It's a it's a weird sort of collision. Uh, but there is a rumor that they, you know, repurpose sets from Batman and Robin for this film. That's a lie. I haven't found any concrete <laughs> proof of that. That was like just someone that put in a review and subsequently from that review it's ended up as trivia elsewhere on the net have it's you, have not you, true. is there a commentary for this one on blu-ray there is but it's only on the us okay. blu-ray and us dvd so oh it's actually on the local dvd but yeah on the cinema cult recent reissue dvd yep. and their blu-ray no they didn't pull the commentary and track I take it you haven't listened to what? no it's one of the few commentaries i haven't sure. listened so to so there's no way to verify covered. that like you no. know maybe they reference it yeah but. Uh, yeah i i think you know it sounds it sounds like lies lies <laughs> um but yeah kinka usher never went on to make another feature post this probably burnt him pretty bad it's funny actually when you do watch the special features there's a spotlight on location mm. um about the production of the film and he's featured a bit in that but there's about two scenes where um ben stiller has been interviewed and and give shit about Kinka Usher being a commercial director and this being a feature and, you know, how, you know, he just sort of doesn't know what's going on. Then there's a bit where Janine Garofalo um, talks, you know, you can tell he's talking 
to Kinka Ashley's off, you know, camera at the time and sort of saying, you know, um, you know, what are you doing? You don't know. This is only your, you know, you've only directed, this is only the film you've directed. You know, you know, you, you only direct Chihuahuas in Taco Bell commercials and stuff. Um, it, I don't know if it would have been the most pleasant. Like, he obviously had a good sense of humour about him because yeah. you've got a lot of really sharp comics that are working on this movie. Intimidation, man. Um, yeah, absolutely. Intimidation. Absolutely. So, yeah, that would have been... Hugely intimidating, but he had post this movie gone back to doing commercials and very successful commercial director. Uh, and on his Twitter, I don't know if this is still there on the moment on mm. his Twitter, but on his Twitter, he has like a little quote that references that, you know, um, he's the guy that's responsible for making Smash Mouth All Star a hit single, um, which is pretty, pretty funny when you think of it. But, um, but yeah, that, that kind of takes me over to wanting to talk about Smash Mouth All Star. That was actually I, I watched that this morning. The like, music video? Like, yeah, I'm not yeah. joking. Yeah. It was on like Max on um Oh Hostel. shit, right. I right. can't believe that dude. Like That's what the how's fuck? that timing? Yeah. And I think um Thumble Chumblewumble was on there as well. So Oh of yeah. course, Tub Thumping, massive yeah. hit around the same time. <laughs> well All Star, obviously this big smash hit single by Smash Mouth. That music video itself was directed by McG and this was, you know, Mystery Men was a year before he would make his directorial debut. He directed Charlie's, Charlie's Angels, Angels in two thousand. Yeah. Uh, so Mac, Mick G was directing all the best 90s Mick videos. G, come on, what a Mick wankiest G. fucking <laughs> no, name. I love that he's transitioned to being a director. Now he's a Netflix director, really. Like anything he develops or does. World. Yeah, exactly, The Babysitter. Um, ends up being a Netflix picture. Like, The Babysitter was going to be a new line Warner release, and then I think, you know, Warner kind of lost faith, dumped yep. it to Netflix. But yeah, why hasn't he... Why hasn't he just adopted a name at this point? Like, I mean, The Rock became Dwayne Johnson. True. You know, he's not wrestling anymore. But we're not in the 90s or early 2000s anymore anymore. where McG might be trendy. No. Never was trendy. It was, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, but this is the guy that was responsible for, you know, breaking through as the music video director for Korn. So maybe it's kind of appropriate. It's a a shame that the C can't be backwards. So then it's just, you know, it looks like more like a mathematical equation or something. Elephant in the room. There's also a world famous sporting stadium called the MCG. Of course, yeah. yeah. I guess he's got a lowercase C, so that makes it okay. It makes all the difference, all the difference. (laughs) So he directed this video and he'd come off the back of... (laughs) Yeah, totally. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. Yeah. when we when we do talk about like you know when we do a retrospective on a McG film, which is probably not likely, did he direct Charlie's Angels Full Throttle or did he just do Charlie's Angels? I think he just did Charlie's Angels. Oh well, that's fair enough because whoever did Full Throttle deserves to be shot in the street. <laughs> um, but yeah, he directed a bunch of great '90s videos. Like when I say great, I mean the videos weren't necessarily great, but the tunes were awesome. Like Sugar yeah. Ray. Um, actually, he has a long-standing relationship with uh, Smash Mouth because he directed the videos for Why Can't We Be Friends, Can't Get Enough of You. And their breakthrough single, Walking on the Sun. Um, so oh he, he had a long-standing history of directing Smash Mouth music videos. And so obviously, yeah, he's directed all It's stuff. not a claim to fame, uh, no, no, I know. And yes, he did direct number two. I just looked him up. Oh, well, yep. Then uh, I'm sorry, McG, we're taking you out in the street. Oh, he did direct music videos for The Offspring and Everclear as well. So, I mean, I don't know if that balances things out or not. Probably not. Um, look, for better or worse, All Star, the track itself, has been cemented in cinematic history. Probably not for Mystery Men, but more so for being featured in Shrek. In fact, probably every single incarnation of Shrek. I don't know how many Shrek films they ended up making that went to cinemas. I think there was maybe four. There could have even yeah. been five. Yeah. Um, but it was prominently featured in those Shrek, uh, Shrek films, and that's probably what's made the song stick around. What about Rat Race? Kids and parents. I was going to say, they perform live. <laughs> Smash Mouth performs yeah. the song live, or at least lip sync the song in the finale. <laughs> Excellent sequence, far better film. Yeah, I like, and we should have I, been doing Rat Race, dude. dude yes, best digression <laughs> we could ever have would be to watch the outtakes of Rat Race 
uh, with the two brothers on stage. Right, yeah, put yeah. Put the yeah. money in the bag line. Yeah. Do you remember okay, that? Yeah. The, no, guys no, no, had, no. the guy in the movie had had his tongue pierced. Yes, so I do remember that. Swollen, swollen and he swollen. can't talk properly. Yep. And there's one particular scene where he's on stage and it's he's got the duffel bag open. His brother, who's Seth Green, has a wad of money in his hand. Right, right. And they've come to this, you know, moment where we have to do the right thing. Okay. And he's trying to tell his brother to put the money in the bag. Yeah. And it's yep. coming out like, put the money in the bag. <laughs> and, yeah. and the director was at um, Jim Abraham? No. Who was that? Who directed that? David Zucker. Oh, was it David Zucker? I think it was David Zucker. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah, said, um, it was either David Zucker or Jerry Zucker, it might have been. Jerry Zucker, right. Said, okay. let's just keep the camera rolling. And they got right. about 15 minutes of them trying to just deliver these. Yep. One line, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the funniest outtake I've ever seen. And that's on life. the DVD, it's yeah. It's on the DVD. I'm going to have to watch it. I did pick up the DVD recently from like for like a buck from Cashies. Yeah. And I'm really excited to rewatch it because yeah. I... I loved it. I thought it was really funny. I think it I saw is. it at least five times within the you know two thousands. Yeah. I saw it at the cinema and it was a full house, and I've never had a cinema laugh as much. Like I I do have a funny rat race story. So this is another digression. Obviously, Beautiful. there's a girl I used to live with. In fact, um, I dated her, but before I lived with her, I only lived with her as a friend. We dated, yep. and then um, I broke up with her because she was a bit crazy, to be honest. Um, she was she she would do weird things like take like she was like a professional some sort of sporting person I can't remember what she did now uh, um, but whatever <laughs> she did she did it well and then years later I think she just sort of felt like that was her peak period like she would never better that period so then she would start dressing in those clothes that you know her competition clothes whatever it was I don't know if it was like soccer or hockey or something. And then, oh no, gymnastics maybe? Maybe it's gymnastics. Anyway, and then take photos of herself in that kind of uniform. Yeah. And then, um, and then put them up on, God knows back then, it was, fuck, it was like whatever was pre-MySpace. Or oh, might have been MySpace. Might have yeah. been the era of MySpace. Um, and then you'd be like, but she's not competing anymore. Why is she dressed in the clothes? And it would be like captions like getting ready for the game Dude, or something. cosplay, man. Yeah, well, now, that's it. That's yeah. what it is now. Back then it was just, um, you know, rat house. <laughs> yeah, you know, crazy. Um, but yeah, somehow, you know, I thought it was a good idea to move in with her and a few other people. We don't have anymore, we have conventions, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true, it's true. We've given them a home. Sorry for anyone that attends conventions. Look, I do every now and again. Anyway, getting back to this girl, I almost said her name. Um, luckily I didn't. I ended up moving in with her and, um, another friend of mine and another girl that was a friend of mine. And so I ended up living with her. Um, she lived down the other end of the house, but, um, <laughs> she one day trapped one of my mates who was walking home from work and he used to work, walk past our house on the way home from work and she trapped him, right? She's like, oh, you know, like, you know, come and have a chat. And so we're having a chat and whatnot. And then she's like, oh, you know, do you want to watch Rat Race and stuff? And he's like, oh yeah. So he came and watched Rat Race and then probably halfway through she seduced him and they ended up having sex. Anyway, he told me the story. He's like, oh, you know what happened yesterday? And I'm like, no. And he goes, oh, look, you know, I was walking home and, you know, your, your, your housemate, you know, she seduced me, you know, watching my face. I'm like, you know, that's fucking weird, dude, because I dated her like two years ago and um, she seduced me during Rat Race too. I think it's her thing. I think it's her thing. <laughs> she sticks rat race on and maybe you just sort of loosen up is there a scene I can't remember is it's it been the, that long since I've the, seen rat race is it the I'm John Lovett's Hitler scene I know <laughs> I'm terrified to watch it again now um, 
Yeah, Is she like, I don't know. Can you get an erection? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Or maybe oh, I'll just start crying. Um, anyway, so yeah, that was really weird. Um, so yeah, she's a serial sort of rat race. Um, rat race rapist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, look, I think, you know, it was consensual. Okay. Um, but well, it, was, it was pretty weird. Hands down, best digression I've ever I know. <laughs> oh man, if you like that one, wait until you hear the one in the next episode of Franchised. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got a good one for you. Anyway, um, moving it back on track. Getting wow. back to Getting back to Mystery Men. Mm. Or better still getting back to all star the um smash mouth hit now i one thing that really surprised me about this was the song actually never went number one in australia it felt like it was number one for months well, it should have been it should it should have been I'm sure the royalties um, <laughs> well yeah I, I think it spent long enough in the charts it actually only ever peaked at number four but at the end of the year its overall chart position was like the 31st best selling 31st yeah 31st best selling song of um, 1999. Well, hey, uh, at least it made the the job of the record store guy easy where they come in. I want I want the soundtrack with Smash Mouth on it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, take your totally. pick. Like yeah, seriously, yeah, totally. just, just well, randomly choose one. <laughs> exactly. There it is. Yeah, we don't have Shrek in stock, but we do certainly have uh, <laughs> an overstock of Mystery Men. Would you be interested in purchasing a copy? <laughs> we have Rat Race, but just make sure you're ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Um, that year, other big singles uh, that All Star was released. Mumbo Number no. Five by uh, mm-hmm. Lou Vega, um, yes. Baby One More Time, Britney Spears. Yeah, uh, mm. the, this is actually this is the top ten. They, that is one through three. Also, um, Blue by Eiffel Sixty Five. Uh, Last Kiss by Pearl Jam. It's a really excellent documentary on the making of that song on YouTube. It's a Vice documentary. It is amazing. Like really, really good. Um, look, so yeah, we got onto Pearl Jam, Last Kiss, but prior to that, you like look at those first three singles, and they're very of that time. I mean, look, Britney Spears, you know, that's somewhat different, but like Mumbo Number no. Five and Blue, they were very indicative of that period. In yeah, music. this is like in that era of Who Let the Dogs Out. Like, this yeah, totally, absolutely, absolutely. Horrendous. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to read the rest of the top ten, but I will say that if any of those songs in the top ten, I challenge you that you would hear Smash Mouth's All Star in some form, in some way, more regularly than any one of those 10 best-selling songs of the I year. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. We watch too many movies, that's why. Well, way too many. And I mean, the beauty of um, Smash Mouth's All-Star is it will continue to live on outside of cinema. It's sort of adopted um, or attached itself to memes. And so anytime some new meme comes out, suddenly there's an all-star variation of it. Blows my mind. It makes me very happy inside. And you just have to rock yeah. up to any Bogan party. And, and it's guaranteed to be on the playlist, Dude, followed by Run to Paradise by the Choir Boys. It's like, we're going to get retro! K-San! You know? It's <laughs> yeah. such a fucking hideous song. Yeah, it's not a great song, I is it, really? I really hate it. Yeah. I cringe when it comes on. All-star? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. It. So we're not going to be sampling that in this? Uh, <laughs> no. I don't want to get sued by Smash That's Mouth. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mystery Men. Okay, so getting back to Mystery Men. Um, screenwriter Neil Cuthbert. Now, this is probably maybe his biggest claim to fame because um, the guy's sort of like really only ever co-written stuff with people right. or adapted screenplays. He co-wrote the screenplay to Hocus Pocus with Mick Garris mm-hmm. and that in itself was based off a story idea that Garris and David Kirshner had. Yeah. Um, the only... Wait for it. Okay, and so he didn't He didn't actually end up writing all I know that his many name. screenplays. I don't know why I know his name. Well, th- he did write one original screenplay, one okay. thing that was solely written by him. That was the last film he wrote. And he hasn't, as far as I can tell, as far as the IMDb is concerned, mm-hmm. he hasn't worked since. That movie was The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Dude. Yeah. We've covered that on the podcast before. Ah, that did we, no, we didn't. I've never watched it. I started watching it. I'm I sure used to we get have had a conversation. With Osmosis that- Jones. 
Because they no. both came around the same time, cost a lot of money and didn't Did we do Space Truckers? You may have because covered I, it as a um, as article. a forgotten gem or a guilty pleasure okay, in one of them. Okay, because I yeah. swear we've talked about both of those. I feel like Pluto Nash has been mentioned. Yeah. yeah. I don't I. It's not been a theme film, but we've talked no, about it. Yeah. No, because I was like, fuck, did I lie all the way through that podcast? Because I don't Is think it Ron Underwood that directed that? Um, good question. I don't know. I think it is. <laughs> My research um, doesn't extend that far. Okay, I think he did, which right, is obviously right. the guy that did City Slickers and... Oh, um, man, well, that's a classic. Yeah. And some other things. And this was a massive misstep. Um, <laughs> well, arguably an underrated film. I think it's quite good. <laughs> oh, God, look. But this is... This I, is Glenn from Fake Shit yeah, giving you the lowdown that Pluto Nash is good. I've got to... Um, it had Peter Boyle in know. it, too. Yeah, well, it had a lot of people. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was that era of Eddie Murphy where I think everything sort of was declining. Except for he did this yeah. one, which should have put oh, him right back on um, top of the map. Bowfinger. Was Bowfinger? What year was Bowfinger? Oh, no, Bowfinger was late 90s, wasn't it? 99, 2000? Uh, yeah. After this, it was all kind of downhill because you had like <laughs> Life and Showtime Daddy and yeah. Daddy Daycare. Yeah, the list goes yeah, on. There's a third Daddy Daycare that came yeah, out this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. Granddaddy no Daycare. With yeah, Danny right. Trejo and um, oh, God, a bunch of, of those course. old blokes. Yeah, he needs the cash. And I thought, sense. well, this is a movie that's just using the title as yeah, a cash yeah, in, yeah. but then you look on the book, it says, yeah. you know, third film in the... In the Daddy illustrious Daddy Daycare, Daddy Daycare trilogy or franchise. <laughs> you know, number two, of course, starring yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr., directed and by Fred Savage. I was going to say, directed by Fred Savage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, weird. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was odd. Because that was during Fred Savage's sort of renaissance, because he got a gig directing some TV and star actually got a gig. Because he'd been doing directing a lot of TV, but he got a lead role in a TV show. I think it was called Working. Yeah, it was yeah. Really funny and good, but I think it was sort of ill fated, maybe only last Then he got accused of touching two. up some women, and then recently Cuba Gooding Jr. got accused of touching did up that some women. with so Fred did Savage. Yeah, it did. That's apparently, according to many sources, including Ellie, what's her name, who like, played the mother on Wonder Years. Oh, was this to do with that NDA? Or when it ended. Right. And everyone was signed to the NDA yes, that said they so couldn't talk about Fred it. Fred Savage and Jason Hervey, who played Wayne, the brother were both accused by like a, a costume designer or something like that of acting inappropriately. Really? And that's why they had to sort of wrap the show up more prematurely than what they would have ordinarily. Wow. But Fred Savage was so young too. Yeah, but by yeah, the end by of the, the show, he was in his mid-teens. Oh, okay, yeah, Because he started yeah. the show season True. one, 13-year-old. Right, right, 40, right. 15, 16, 17, so he's around about yeah. the age that, that you know, right. a bit curious. But yeah, Jason Hervey, of course, was a few years older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, no... Proper, you know, foundation. Oh yeah, but yeah, no, that's no, true. But and then there's allegations the that have come out against Cuba Gooden Jr. He got arrested recently. Um, recently. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh shit! Yeah. No wonder the Optus managed to get him to do the commercials here in Australia because <laughs> no one else would hire him. <laughs> yeah, that's well, sad. This arrest came after the fact. Um, yeah, I read an article yeah. also recently about the decline of Cuba Gooden Jr. and he's yeah. just wasted away in money and parties and chicks. Yeah, that's well, what he's like, just done with it all. It's a shame because, like, obviously he was a talent on the rise from Boys in the Hood through. Um, uh, as good as it gets, as good as it gets. No, but there's a there's he's in a as good as it there's gets. There's a mystery man connection there. Yeah, Greg, with Greg, Greg Kinnear, but he yeah. he's um he's Greg Kinnear's boyfriend. In yeah, and then yeah, I think you're right. I think he yeah. breaks up with him. Yeah, I think you're right. Jerry Maguire. Yeah, of I course. mean the guy did, and even Courage Under Fire. He had small. Well, no, was it not Courage Under Fire? It might have been Courage Under Fire. And boat trip, but um, not boat trip. I was going to say few good men. I mean the guy had so much talent honor. and possibility. Men of Honor, Phil Harbour, of course. But then. Yeah. The only recent thing he did with any substance was the O.J. Simpson um, oh, miniseries. Oh, yes, yes, yep, yep. The Ryan uh, Murphy produced yes. one. The American Crime Story, yep, the, the People versus O.J. Simpson. And the second one was the Mendendez Brothers. Yes. Uh, yes. No, yes. I'm getting re- confused because then there was with the other Felicity one. Huffman. There's, there's another one too. Oh, the Andrew Kinane. Yes. Right. The, the, oh, no, no, no. The Mendendez Brothers. That's the Brothers. Law and Order one. The Law and Order one. Yeah, Jesus I haven't Christ. watched that. I do want to watch that Fuck, though. this is the most... 
Confusing digression <laughs> ever. It's like we've really gone down a rabbit hole, but we're not. It's pure darkness. <laughs> we, we, we don't know what we're talking about. No idea. No <laughs> idea. Um, okay, getting back to the writer, oh, old, okay. old Neil. So Neil, um, you know, Neil Cuthbert. He, Neil Cuthbert, he ended up, the last thing he did was the Adventures of Blitter and Ash, a film that effectively made $7 million domestically at the US box office of mm. a projected budget of probably about $100 million. Um, so, yeah, so I don't know. Like, you know, Neil Cuthbert, good riddance. Um, we touched on the cast briefly. <laughs> Was there anyone you wanted to talk about in particular? Well, it's interesting with this cast. It's such a mammoth cast. You can't fit them all ensemble. on a poster, right? So they mm. put all the, the central hero characters on the poster art. But, I mean, you what the poster art's missing is Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, it's the villain. Greg yeah. Kinnear. It's yeah. missing Eddie Izzard. Like, yeah, it's just yeah, missing true. some major, major true. players. And they didn't even sell this on the Jeffrey Rush factor. No, he'd you know, come off the back of winning an Academy Award he for had Shine only a few years prior. This was sort of, you know, this was part of those first steps away from Oscar glory. Yeah. What's he going to do next? True. And House on a Wanted Hill and this. But dude, he did massive, massive, big mm. drama films that yeah, true. Very, you know, had Quills. accolades coming at it. Yeah. What was that? God, Quills. That was yeah, like, yeah, um, yeah, you know, absolutely. period set, yeah. big, big film he did and that and, was a studio picture. But he was one of those, you know, to his credit, one of those guys that wasn't shying away from all the popcorn stuff. So yeah. the parts of the Caribbean, the of Mystery course. Man and... House of Hunter Hill, like you said. So, well, he kind of f- falls into that category we were talking about before about actors that have had allegations made against them, which is very yeah. true. Yeah, Only sad. He's, uh, he's won his case. Yeah, well, you, uh, know. you know, yeah, you know, the theatre's a strange place, you yeah. know. Um, and as I understand it, it was, you know, it was, you know, um, it wasn't, you know, it's not we're, not, we're not talking about Harvey Weinstein here. No, it was um, a comment. Yeah, a comment. a comment. Yeah, but then there was there something about him looking over the. Well, the scene. Um, the scene was um, it involved a woman lying in his arms, either right. near death or gravely ill. Right. Um, and he had to look over her and deliver his line. So okay. he's looking down, and I think he did a little bit of a, like a rat round kind of, you know. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah. like that. Yeah. Which I know lots of people in the theatre. Right. And they will never say it on the record, mm. but off the record, they'll say this shit happens backstage Surely, all the time. Yeah, that yeah. is what theatre is. It's yeah. very rambunctious and, and tawdry. Totally, um, totally. And, and it's know, a different thing because you're, you know, well, look, I'm not trying to justify anything that happens. No, Sorry, I'm not, that's I. not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying, look, it is, it is a, yeah, totally. It's context. Yeah. It's a different, different place. And, Unusual you know, things and, and happen. I mean, the, the, the fact is that Jeffrey Rush won his case against the media outlet yeah, that reported yeah. this, right? So he is on the better side of history with this right. one, right? Um, but you've also got these people that are also currently the industry is in this whole movement. Yeah, right? absolutely. Where yeah. you can accuse someone. It's, it, and it is it sticks, it's Salem. Right? It's, yeah. it's a witch hunt. And so you've got this industry of the theatre where, like I said, it's very tawdry anyway, you know, and it's very theatrical and you have fun like that. Um, not condoning it. But then you've also got opportunists that will take advantage of this movement and yeah. you know try to throw someone under a bus where they think there might be traction. Yeah. Um, in this case, there wasn't. But you know. Yeah. And look, I and I've got a lot of respect for Jeffrey Rush. I think um, apart from being like one of the finest actors to come out of Australia, um, he's very community minded. Yeah, absolutely. He's, yeah. A, he's a he's a real sort of. Uh, Person of the, the you'll people. see him like, walk in you know, the streets of Camberwell. You'll absolutely. see him down at Sorrento, like, and he yeah. will stop and he will talk to people, you yeah. know. And he's just a really cool guy. Yeah, like a really cool guy. Um, so yes, look, you know, I don't mean to bring up anything that has been proven untrue or is suspicious or whatever. <laughs> Poor old, you know, I'm just gonna we're just gonna leave. But anyway, Jeffrey Brush not on the poster. No, he's not. And he's, he should be. He's the he's the villain in the picture. Yeah. 
Viewlorium is the place to stream cult movies for free. Like I'm talking mutated sharks, megastorms, exploitation, low-budget indies, and shit tons of other stuff. Like Viewlorium boasts a huge selection of the good, the bad, and the weird in between. Fakeship.net uses their service. Mm-hmm. Guilty as charged. Be rad like them. Viewlorium. Alternative streaming. Visit viewlorium.com. Like, right now. Glenn here. Coming up on the next episode of Franchise, Jarrett and I are joined by a special guest, Keith Schultz, who is a bona fide Godfather aficionado. Be sure to catch us on September 1st when the next episode drops and Jarrett and I find ourselves completely out of our depth. Yeah. I often wonder, like, with his character, like, are you okay with this? You know, at the end where Carlo gets garroted in the car. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. you're actually down with that, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, just, it's a fascinating character. It just seems out of place there. Um, I just love, is it John Cazale? John yeah. Cazale yeah. made five films, all of them Stone yeah, Cold Dog Day Classics. Stone Cold yeah. Classics, <laughs> yeah. mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell, let's take a moment, though, to yeah. acknowledge this man's career, because those five films were only over oh, yeah. a six-year period. Was it period. Deer Hunter as well? Yep. We had um, The Godfather, The Conversation, mm. The Godfather 2, Dog Day Afternoon, and mm. The Deer Hunter. Incredible. Incredible. What a body of work. <laughs> and look, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say, but our Godfather conversation of franchise is the episode you can't refuse. You can find the show on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast hits from. Check out previous episodes, including National Lampoon's Vacation, Rambo, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Warlock, and more. Obviously, we've got the, the big the big players like Ben Stiller, Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria, kind of a big talent. Like, I mean, at that point in time, he was trying to transition. Had he done to being, You know? Yes, he had done Birdcage, okay. and around this time he'd just done Godzilla, because Godzilla yeah. was 19. So I think Birdcage, for most average moviegoers, is probably where they recognise him from, yeah, like his yeah. face. Obviously, yeah. The Simpsons is where they know his voice from. Of course. And he, from memory, because I haven't watched it recently, he played to that Simpsons crowd in Mystery Men. I think he put on a few accents. Oh, he did. Yeah, he did. Because yeah, yeah. he, he does. He does his um, the Blue Raj's voice is in English. Yeah, I was going to say, Indian the Blue Raj is not actually an Indian accent, no, is it? It's, it's like an English, like a, yeah. Because you know like that whole documentary that came out recently, action. The Trouble with the Pooh? I haven't seen it, but so I did hear about he's it. He's not yeah. allowed to do the Apu accent anymore. Right. Yeah, so. Well, yeah, interesting that, yeah, he adopts the sort of look, yeah. you know, in terms of the costuming, um, but yeah, doesn't. But I guess he's playing into that classic... Um, like a mystic. That Kipling yeah. Jungle Book yeah, kind true. of um, Indian English, you know, character yeah. where the English, you know, came and... That, yeah, that total colonialism, exactly. you know. Uh, yes. And doesn't he... His weapons are forks. Forks, yes. Or cutlery. Uh, well, it's predominantly forks, but he cutlery. does have the spoon that he accidentally throws at um, <laughs> William H. Macy at was the start a spork? of the film. There's uh, a spork joke in there somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, of oh, there's plenty of, there's plenty of fork jokes. It's one of my favourite scenes is like... The fork puns when Claire no, Ferrani serves them. Spork. A spork. I don't know. I can't remember if there was a spork. I or think not. there is. Anyway, yeah. I like a spork. Spork. Do they make? Do they make like proper? You know, like cutlery, like not just plastic sporks. But no, they no, make, no. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah That's what a spork yeah. is. It's, it's actually yeah. like cutlery, like you'd find in your drawer. Yeah. Like, but it's got a serrated edge. Yeah, yeah. With yeah. only like three prongs. Yeah, because I've seen yeah. them in so plastic. Spoon, I didn't realize knife actually. And fork all in one. All in one. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize they actually made a proper one, not and just a plastic. And it sounds like the ideal. Eating utensil, but it's fucking hard it's to use. Shit, yeah. yeah, I mean, you can cut through a sausage. Yeah, it's good for a pie. You know. Yeah, but, if you, you eat know. a pie that way, Jesus yeah. Christ, man. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I eat my. I like my. I like my pie neat. Yeah. The girls in my house yeah. peel the fucking top off and yeah. eat it with a spoon. Is that what you do? No, I I eat it all together. All with a knife one. and fork. With a knife and fork. Yeah. You don't hold it in your hand like a man. No, I also get the chips in, and then I I, <laughs> I let the chips sneak into the pie, and they have a dip in there. And you do the sauce thing. 
Um, oh, do you squirt the I sauce it, no, through I, the top so it fills the centre? No, I just put it on top. Right. When I was a student, actually, no, that's a lie. When when I first moved to Melbourne, I wasn't working. So when I was poor yeah. <laughs> and drinking, because I was going out like, you know, saving my money for Thursday, Friday nights to go drinking, say, as opposed to buying groceries and doing, you know, adulting sort of things. I used to um, I used to buy cheap things like noodles, cheese and pies. And what I would do is I would have noodles, I would have pies, and then for some variation, I would open the lid of the pie and put a piece of cheese in and then cook it with the cheese so the cheese would melt into it. I'd take the noodles and I would put the cheese on top of the noodles and let them melt into the noodles. Sometimes I would have the noodle juice as its own dish, like a soup. It was a cheap form of living, but I did yeah. a lot. The yeah. world is a fucked up place. <laughs> it's a strange place. That was the 2000s. This is post-Mystery Men, yeah, right. um, pre-MCU um, DC era. <laughs> yeah, right. Gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. It's a weird, uh, yeah, weird thing. Yeah. Um, other other actors in it, Jean Groffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a massive fan of Jean Groffalo. I thought she's very funny. I loved her from Larry Sanders, liked her from the Ben Stiller show. Yep. And um, I had a massive crush on her. Yeah, so did I. Massive crush on Those early, mid-90s, definitely. Mm, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. I think yeah. it was her attitude I had a crush on. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I just loved it. Yeah. And because she was just so different. She's kind of like, for me, the more attractive version of Sarah Silverman. More attractive in personality or... She's got the similar personality. Yeah. Probably not as scathing. Yeah. But she's a bit softer in tone. Right, But she yeah, had yeah. that sarcastic political totally. social commentary kind yeah. of thing going for her. Yeah. Whereas I think Sarah Silverman is just a bit too brash and a bit yeah. too... Not, opinionated is not the right word. Just doesn't well, yeah. quite do it for me. She's too loud. I, I hear. Like Janine Garofalo could make me cry, but Sarah Silverman might make me want to kill myself. Yeah, that's Make it. me feel that bad. Totally. Roast me hard. Totally. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah, and another another actress um, slash comic that I've had a massive crush on, Sarah Silverman, also. Um, now we've mentioned William H Macy. We mentioned Paul Rubens. Claire we haven't Filani? really said West Studi that played Sphinx. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's from, the. Was he in Young Guns or Young Guns Two? Young Guns Two. I don't remember in either of those. Oh, I feel like he I was know in the guy you mean. Yeah. Because um, he's like uh, Native American, yeah. Native American, yeah. Yeah, no. He's I don't. like the um, the philosophical one that's got all the kind of lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got yeah. the lines, and then Ben Stiller will just sort of like finish the line off oh, yeah. because that's where it's going yeah. yeah that's exactly what you were gonna say <laughs> and he's frustrated all the time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no I, I don't remember what else he was in and uh, um, tom waits yeah obviously tom know, waits, he's, he's the, the inventor the inventor that comes up with the cool guns and from memory and a lot of the things that he's inventing in his little i guess was it a bus like it's a laboratory yeah, yeah, it bus is. Or whatever? yeah yeah it's uh well no actually that's because um that's mr was. furious works <sighs> in the junkyard yeah. and he yeah. has access to that yeah. And when Doc Hallier, which is Tom Waits' character, yeah. sees it and yeah. goes, oh, my God, this is blah, 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 that ends up becoming like the Mystery Men mobile. Yes. Um, well, I know that a lot of the inventions that he makes through the film are very similar to the way he makes instruments. And I remember at the time thinking, right. oh, this is, this is actually Tom Waits, you know. Very cool. Because he famously makes instruments out of hard store, hardware store equipment yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, who else it's got? strange that he did this film. Like, I mean, because he had done films, but most of these films like Jim Jamoosh or someone like, like, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of proper, not, you know, studio kind of comedy Sorry, sort Tom of Sorry, Tom Waits? Yeah, Tom Waits. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, he did um, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I did, and I, funnily enough, I literally watched that movie two weeks ago. It's great, isn't it? I don't know, Redford. it might have been because we were watching some movies for franchise. And he eats the bugs. Um, yeah, he's great, it was great. Like, he's yeah, he's really good in it, like, yeah, yeah. really good in it. And um, he was, my favourite performance of his was probably Robert Altman's Shortcuts. Oh, yeah, he shortcuts, He plays Lily yeah. Tomlin's alcoholic husband. Yeah, yeah. He is phenomenal in that. He's a talent, but, um, like, he really the, is. What about the lineup of cast that, that appear in the audition sequence? Oh, yes, yes. So good. Dane yeah. Cook is in there. Dane Cook. But I think... As the waffler. As the waffler. <laughs> <laughs> the waffle man. 
I love that. You got pencil head and pencil, pencil boy. Yeah, son of pencil head and pencil <laughs> head. I'm son of pencil that's head. That's actually that's probably my other favourite scene is the audition. The only thing I don't like about the auditions yep. is um, the two Wonder Women, Wonder Woman, you know, knockoffs that yep. are there, and then they have a cat fight, and everyone's really interested. I don't, know, I didn't, I don't think I ever found it funny in '99. Kind of loves the, the scene goes, yeah, I know, because it's really funny. Yep. Even the PMS True. Avenger, she's great, you know. Artie Lang, um, when he had a nose, he was in Yeah, there. Artie Lang, yes. He has no yes. nose now. Why? Was it cancer or something? No, the drugs. Oh, God, the if cocaine. You, uh, when we stop recording, you look up a photo of Artie Lang, 2018, Jesus. 2019, he's got no nose. That's terrifying. Or it looks like the literal image you would get in a cartoon when you smack someone with a fry pan. It's like completely flat. Oh, God, that's terrifying. All, all from drugs. Um, wow. Yeah, Go through his Wikipedia and read his history. It's incredible. Well, I guess he's still with us, though, too. He but, is still know. with us, and yeah. um, but just relapses every other year. Wow. Yeah, sad, sad, sad life, that one. Yeah, that's really, really tragic. Yeah, sorry to bring the tone down. No, no, no. no bring it back up for me, Jerry. Yeah, oh, okay. Well, look. <laughs> the score? <laughs> <You> got nothing? <laughs> no, no, no. The score of the film. This is like one of the I best things about the film. I don't remember it off the top of my head. Well, it's, it's, you know, it is, it's not that far removed from, say, like a Burton S score. Like a, like a Danny Elfman score for a superhero film, but with... Just more colour to yep. it, less obviously darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy that did it, Stephen Warbeck, mm-hmm. he has never done a score like this before and has never done a score like this since. This guy is the guy, like he won an Academy Award for the score for Shakespeare in Love, right. but that is the With kind Jeffrey of Rush? films that he does. Was Jeffrey Rush in that? I don't know. I know that. I think um, he was. I, um, Ralph Fiennes, brother. <laughs> What's his name? Joseph Fiennes. Jo- Joseph Fiennes, yeah. yeah. And, um, Gwyneth. Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah, I remember that. One those. of the most undeserving Academy Award yeah. winners, wins of oh, all time. It was ridiculous yeah. that year. What was that ninety eight? She was or a boy. You know, she won an Oscar because she was a boy. Oh, outrageous, <laughs> outrageous. Um, yeah, so he did the score for that. He won an Oscar for it, uh, and he did other things like Billy Elliot, mm. Oyster Farmer, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, Oyster the, Farmer, Oyster the Farmer. Aussie one. Yeah, 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 did the score for that. Actually, he's done a few Australian scores. Is he funnily enough, no, I think he's okay. British. Yeah, yeah. but um, that's pretty much. The gamut of films that he's done okay, and cool. nothing like Mystery Men. So I think I like the score and I remember looking into who did the score at a point in time going, this guy's not done is anything it, quite like this. Is it because he brought his own style to an unusual film or is it because he changed his style for an unusual film? Like what makes yeah, it good? Yeah, what, what is that point of difference? Like does it yeah. sound different to what you would know? It sounds like a throwback sort of score, but, um, you know, I mentioned like similar sort of Burton's Batman sort of stuff or Elfman's sort of Batman stuff. But I don't know, there's 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 a quality to it that feels like old sort of serialized superhero-y sort of stuff. Um, mm. Yeah. Again, it's sort of like, I don't know, it, it it works perfect, but it's it's sort of unusual. It's one of those, that is one of the weird things that sort of stuck with me about the film is how good the music was. Yeah, right. Um, which, you know, you know, it doesn't mean I, I don't like the film. It's just... Um, I just don't. I don't think I've grown to appreciate the film as a whole. I, I like elements of the picture, and that's why the why I own it, and why I'll yeah. probably watch it again in a few years, and hopefully. So take me back. You know? Take me back. Who? Yeah. Which one of us decided this was a good one to do for a podcast? I think you suggested it, and I said, "Well, that's good," because I bought the Blu-ray about right. you know, yeah, two years right, ago, right. and I still but haven't got around to we, watching we it. We kind of we lined this one up a long time ago. Yeah, and I just can't remember. I think it was, yeah, it was me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, and you suggested, and I'm like, yeah, I've got the Blu-ray. I've been meaning to watch it. Great thing to do it, is suggest you know? the podcast and, and then not watch the film <laughs> <laughs> leading into it. And then I'm researching within an inch of its life. And well, I'm like, you know, you are the host you know, of this. This is fucking. true. This is true. Now, um, touching on themes, this is a reoccurring theme on our podcast, and that's 
the loser makes good sort of scenario. Um, however, I can't confirm with you yeah. whether or not this film has the hero's journey or not. I was not. fucking about to say that. <laughs> I was going to say that. I'm, I'm thinking not, though, because when I look uh, at the steps of the hero's journey, there's all these sort of things <laughs> that they have to be... They, they meet someone wise and trust oh, them with this gift and this and that and da-da-da-da-da. Son of a bitch. Yeah. I was waiting for a moment to... Ah, it's a shame that Sean's not here to clarify it, it for us. But uh, oh well. Well, you know, the Sphinx was this. Um, not the Sphinx. The the what's the other uh, no, spleen? The, the spleen. Yeah, yeah. The spleen. I think the spleen is the Sphinx because of the sphincter. But you know, anyway. yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the spleen. Yeah. Yes, his story is very yeah. much a hero's journey. You know, oh, if yeah, you're yeah. just you know that kid in school that farts a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Suddenly you find these you know group of people yeah, that yeah. take you under their wing and, I don't know, set and you go on a journey, with journey them. and yeah. you become a hero. It's true, yeah. I think there's missing a couple steps somewhere along the way, but we're almost there. Um, in fact, it's a multi-hero journey. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a ridiculous amount of um, heroes journeys in one, all crammed yeah. in one movie. What's your favourite scene from the film? Do you have a favourite scene? That you can well, I do love the cafe scene where the spleen is doing the pull my finger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great um, scene. That's just like... Instantly uh, recognisable to me, thinking yep. back on it. I love the introduction. I think it's the introduction of Eddie Izzard doing the disco dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What else? Trying to think. And obviously the audition scene is kind of iconic. Doesn't Janine Groffalo have the skull of her father in the bowling She does ball? in the bowling yeah. ball, yeah. Um, yeah That's a good scene too because yeah. that scene was, um, it was predominantly, like it, it was predominantly... Live action, like actually caught in camera effect. It was like wire yeah, work yeah, with yeah. a ball. Yep. Only a little bit was CGI. And in the behind the scenes feature, you kind of just sort of see the ball traveling and just the timing of it all and the camera movements yeah. and everything. It was really, really good. And actually, I generally love all of the arrogance from Greg Kinnear's character. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's covered in sponsor logos and all this kind oh of shit. Oh my God, shit. ridiculous. Like, yeah, Here's the Pepsi. He's no longer sponsoring him. And he's like, what Pepsi dropped <laughs> out? Someone asked him, one of the media people going, yeah. what do you think about Pepsi? He's like, what, Pepsi aren't sponsoring me? <laughs> what? I loved his his ego. That was yeah. really, really cool. But um, look, I haven't watched it in probably three or four years. Oh, so fair I enough, I man. wouldn't be able to tell you a standout scene. Yeah, no, that's What about you? Um, well, I mentioned earlier, yeah, the superhero auditions. I like that. But also that... Um, uh, cafe scene immediately following the first sort of failed battle where you've got, you know, Mr. Furious, the Shabler, oh, and the Blue Raja, you know. And the yeah, battles, that bit was good. But that, that that actual, like, post sort of battle um, where they break down where it all kind of went wrong and they're yeah. pointing the blame at yeah, one yeah, another. Yeah. There's all those Regrouping. puns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when when Ben Stiller and William H. Macy or um, Mr. Furious and, and the Shabler pick on the blue Raja because not an item of his clothing is blue. Yeah. But he's got like some green, green yeah. and he's got some flower <laughs> thing happening here, but there's there's a complete and absence of blue. He's heartbroken. Yeah, it's totally. It's such a good scene. Like, like it's, it's really good. The blue Raja. It's the blue Raja. <laughs> exactly. And I actually I really like the scene with his mother too. Like his mother who's he lives with his mother still breaks and into she's his super new encouraging. Accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and it's like yeah the accent drops and then she Mom, come on you know she she says later there's because there's a they, they come back to it. And yeah. there's a scene where he's going out and she brings out the really good cutlery for him to take to battle. And then she's like, just do the accent for me. And he does the accent. It's, it's a good moment. Yeah, yeah. So there's some really, yeah, really great scenes Dude, in the film too. Absolutely underrated film. Yeah, look, I'm, you know, it's, again, I will probably give it another few years. And I'll, it's not like I'm going to part with the Blu-ray. I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to come back and watch it again. Even um, yeah. Ben Stiller's moments where the camera's up close and he's trying to be furious. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. hilarious. Trying to work the anger out. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I, I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like... 
if just it may be in the edit, like if it had just if they'd shaved a little bit, reworked a few things, like it could have been a stronger film. Are you hinting at yeah. director's cut? Yeah. Well, I mean, Kinka Usher's, you know, he's probably too busy directing really successful commercials to do this, but I don't know what Tim Burton's up to. Like, if he wants to come back and have a crack at it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> like, hang on. He didn't direct it. Um, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Look, or you know, maybe there's a fan cut out there. I don't know. It's weird. There is a, there is definitely a cult following for the film, for sure. but it's is that why Cinema I think it's cult you know, released it? I think so, and probably because mm. they got the license pretty okay. cheap. Yep. <laughs> um, they might have done a distro, uh, like a deal with Universal, and bought a certain amount of titles, and like, oh, you can have this one, but mm. on the proviso you take Mystery Men, and they're like, all right then. Um, now look, I guess it's time almost to wrap this up, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. Let's talk about the Cinema Cult release. So I okay. mentioned before, it's dropped the commentary from the US release and from yep. the previous DVD release. It's got the um, production featurette on it. It's got some deleted scenes mm-hmm. on there. It's got a trailer. It's also got some compression errors in the film. Oh, really? Um, yeah, keep an eye out for those when um, Janine Groffalo's character, the bowler, is auditioning. Yeah, it glitches out like briefly, just visually glitches out. Um, and then it comes good. It's like, it's yep. brief, but it's like if any other major, just if, look, if anyone else apart from me had bought this Blu-ray yep. and noticed it and commented on Blu-ray.com, they probably would have started a witch hunt and Shock would have had to have done a replacement disc or something. But <laughs> look, I, don't, I don't think it's been a top seller. I don't think anyone cares. And to well, me, then, I'm like, what? I lost Thank two God frames, you bought it. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should, Thank you. Totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for the 30th anniversary edition at this point in time. Oh, uh, don't scare um, me. It makes me feel old. I know. Well, that's it. 20 years. Who would have thought, man? 20 years. It's flown by. Mm-hmm. Flown by. It wasn't because I, 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 in my head, I'm like, we've been doing a lot of anniversary episodes. Like the last one we did was Last Starfighter. That was uh, 35 years, mm-hmm. 35th anniversary. Yeah. And I was kind of like, shit, Mystery Men. I yeah. was like, that would have been 99, 2000. I was like, yeah, 2000 released theatrically in Australia. 99 released in the States. I was like, God, 20 years. Yeah. Like, I remember going to the movies to see it at the AMC cinema in Queensland at Stafford City that's now Hoyt's. Mm-hmm. Um, God, yeah, you know, Jesus. I, you know, I was I was there with my, I think I went to it with my girlfriend at the time. And God, like now, you know, that was a long time ago. Yep. And I'm married and I'm living in another state. A lot's happened. Um, but yet I own this film and I will watch it again. So clearly haven't got much wiser. Well, no, it, <laughs> it, it sounds like love to I'm, me. I'm, yeah, kind-hearted at least. Um, look, I think we should wrap it up, but I just wanted to throw a shout-out to the Screaming Meanies who provided our intro-outro music. You can check his music out on Bandcamp. And thanks, Glenn. Thanks for, thanks for making me watch this movie again. And thanks for not watching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you for not watching it. And, um, yeah, I look forward to the next one. Awesome. Thanks, man. of money. You know who doesn't think it's a waste of money? Little Mr. Captain Amazing. Well, Captain, I mean, um, if we had a billionaire like Lance Hunt as our benefactor, yeah, we could spend a hundred mm, That's because Lance Hunt is Captain Amazing. Oh, don't uh, start that again. Lance Hunt wears glasses. 
Captain Amazing doesn't wear glasses. He takes them off when he transforms. That doesn't make any sense. He wouldn't be able to see. 